I'm Chase. And I'm Timothy. And this is Customer Service. Welcome back to customer service. Chase, how are you? Good. Good. It's Friday. Um, been a pretty busy week. We've, we had mm-hmm. stuff to do, but I'm looking forward to kicking up these old hogs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hogs being feet. Yeah. Because <laughs> you clarified. <laughs> um, yeah, man. We, got, we think we got a lot of new stuff in next week, so that'll be fun. So, yep. yeah, we're, we're keeping busy. Some stuff to look forward to dropping... Canoe Club Tees. Yep. Got our new merch in. Some new brands like Haraga. We've got EG coming in. So, yeah, we're, we're busy. Yep. Well, today on the podcast, we are going to have my business partner, Mr. Bob Lamy, on the show. If you've been in a store, you've talked some shit with him. Mm-hmm. You've heard some hot takes of his yep. you've probably heard a couple stories that you might hear here king of shit talking bob lamy uh-huh. on the show uh so bob and i i mean we'll get into this, some of this on the podcast but bob and i know each other from a store i worked at in chicago he used to come in and he would be there visiting family or seeing blackhawks games or whatever and he stayed around the corner from the shop i worked at and he just popped in a lot because obviously he's a huge fan of you know what we do and the, what we were doing there and it was and so he was he was just in and he would talk shit and buy some stuff and then we would just we just got along really well yeah we'd talk about you know business and clothing and what we thought was good and bad and everything in between and you know we'd really kind of developed a relationship over the years of him just popping in i had done some work for a business that was sort of adjacent to him at the time and i just i just kind of i just kind of became friends with him he he is um and I don't even know if he says it directly, although we reference it a lot, but Bob, Bob started uh, ShopUp. He's one of the founding members of ShopUp, um, st- started that, ran that, sold it to Amazon. I mean, that in, you know, depending on where you're sort of coming into fashion, that is one of the bigger deals in, you know, in fashion, whether it's like kind of as talked about or not, it, it's, that was one of the first places that it's to ever put like higher end clothing on online. Yeah. On the internet. Um, so it was a really big deal and kind of revolutionary at the time. And we certainly, you know, would talk about that a lot when we hung out. Um, cause that's, you know, super interesting and super relevant to like everything that's going on now. And, you know, we, we, we get into it, but a lot of the problems that they were facing and trying to solve really aren't that much different than what we're trying to solve now. It's just the landscape was totally different. Um, yeah, like the internet was so relatively new. new. Yeah. I mean, we're yeah. talking like early two thousands, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Two thousand. 2003-ish. Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, they they were facing the dot-com bubble and then the stock market crash of 2018, and there was a lot of, like... 2008. 2008. Uh, so there was just a lot of, uh, there was just a lot of, like, you know, s- similar kind of problems, and and they were being very creative in how they solved them at the time. So that's just, a, you know, very revolutionary business for for fashion, and uh, it, it's a, it's, it is an honor to work with Bob, and, you know, I've learned a lot from him, and, you know, we've taken a lot of things that he's learned and some stuff I've learned, and we, we're, you know, we're, I think we're really good collaborators, and that's hopefully shows through in canoe club and uh and, and in everything that we do um because we definitely try to push ourselves much in the way that they were pushing themselves then um so yeah we're gonna get into it we talk about business and entrepreneurship and um canoe club and shop op and kind yeah. of all of it so kind of like just, his backstory and how he got into clothes in general yeah. like how he found himself in this world but i think bob has a lot of good advice and um good stories and everything so he'll he'll be he'll likely be back on the pod sometime soon and yeah. he certainly likes to tell those stories and i think that a lot of people are going to be really interested in in a lot of the like, kind of the business side of things that that uh that he's uh, super familiar with and you know knows better than most so it's 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 really uh it's 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 a it's a fun podcast we still have fun but it's definitely maybe a little bit more serious and Mm -hmm. and we and we and we talk through some uh you know pretty interesting topics so um i hope you enjoy it and uh without further ado here is mr bob lamey what was your previous job (laughs) um do you want to go all the way back to dishwashing and landscaping or no we want to start with the big one then we'll go back right yeah what what prior experience qualified me for being involved in canoe club something like that yeah but then but then then what i think is funny i think is the god's honest truth is in the dishwashing probably has a lot to do with it yeah 100 it's funny in the conversation i had last night um 
I was because she said that this woman who's trying to raise capital for a ski wear line was talking about the uh, how her resume makes perfect sense to her. And I was like, mine makes perfect sense to me, yeah. too. But it includes dishwasher, landscaper, construction worker, yeah. um, you know, small, small haberdashery in Evanston, Illinois. Uh, and then da da da, it all progresses. And I said how that resume makes perfect sense to me. I can look at each job, know why I was there at that time, why I left or why I got fired. And I've taken something away from every single one of those experiences that I still draw on to this day. Do you day. think that you know that now having the context? Or did you think like that you knew that then? So I got fired as a landscaper. And I was. this isn't 12 years old shit. This is as an adult out of high school trying to figure out what I'm going to do with mm-hmm. my life. And, um, you know, uh, again, and what, what's funny for people who might listen to this is that this is stuff that I usually throw around like all the time and now I'm avoiding it all. But so I have a GED and so I like my future wasn't like ripe with opportunity. So I was working landscaping in Cherry Creek, Colorado. I came out here, you know, I don't know why I came out here then, but I did. And every day I went in there and I would question how they did things, you know, like anything. I'm like, there's a thing called tamping, which is like pounding dirt and trying to make it flat. And they would say flatter. And I'm like, it's dirt, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, you know, digging a three foot hole, which now I look back on and think, oh, they were pranking me with like a shovel. And I, he can't get the dirt out of the bottom of a three foot hole, but they had me doing that all day. But anyway, and then one, you'd show up every morning at 6am and the guy would hand out tools and tell you what he wanted you to do. And this one day I went and he didn't give me a tool. And I said, you know, I didn't get a tool. And he's like, I'm fucking done with you. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you come in here every day, you question me, you don't know what the fuck you're doing, you can't get dirt out of a hole. And he's like, you know, you're fired. And so you asked, is that with perspective? No, I knew driving home from that job, I just got fired from a landscaping job. And that was humbling. Like, And so when people say, my nephews are, will say, well, what did you learn from being a landscaper? It's like, never act like work is beneath you. People choose their best choice. If I'm landscaping, it's not like I was choosing between landscaping and doing a tech startup in 1979, you know, or working for a consulting firm. I chose my best job, and I got fired from it. So whatever ego I had and how I thought that I knew everything, I got fired from a landscaping job. Landscaping's great. It's a hard job. People who do it and do it well, it's hard work. But I got fired from it. <laughs> and I, I thought mean, I think, it was, at the time, I thought landscaping. You know, a lot of people have asked me, like, before, like, because I, I went to school for fashion, and they're mm-hmm. like, oh, you must have known. And I'm like, no, I didn't know shit. That was just the, at the time, it was the only yeah. thing I was, like, I knew I was very interested in music and clothes, and that was it. Yeah. Those were the only two deep, passionate interests I had. Anything yeah. else would have just been a job, and I knew I didn't think I'd be very good at just doing, like, work work. Right. Because I always hated work, kind of for the same mm-hmm. reasons as I didn't feel, it wasn't that I felt above it, it's just... It it, it 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 didn't make it, I didn't care about it, so it was really hard for me to find like a yeah. reason to be there every single day. Right, and I think that like when with the college thing specifically, I'm sure you know if you get a doctor, lawyer, things like this, or you nearly need to like study for fashion. I don't know, you have to go to school unless you're right. learning to sew for the first time, right. um, which I wasn't doing. Uh, I just knew that like. I cared about it, and then all I learned there was you have to fucking show up on time. Otherwise, you're wasting money and you're mm-hmm. wasting people's time. And and a, and a professor told me that early on. He said, I know that right now you think that this is beneath you. And he goes, and I even think you might be right. And he goes, but you're fucking letting people down by not showing up here. Yeah. You don't care when you are here. He goes, you're getting okay grades, and I know that's because you just want to be done. And he goes, but you got to learn that you're fucking with other people. You know yeah. what I mean? You're, you're other people's time, other people's resources and he goes and let alone that you're he goes and you've talked to me because I was close with the guy he's like I know you're paying for this why are you yeah why, why are you wasting, are you, your, why time you wasting your time and money and and it just it, that was the wake up call I needed when I was yeah. you know 19 or whatever and then yeah. I never I, I was there every single day from that time forward but yeah. really, I needed that yeah yeah you need to be you know yeah. I, I I could go I could take this in so many different directions one anecdotally we had a woman at shop up when that worked in the brick and mortar the bop store and she had unbelievable talent. She was, you know, got it, got fashion, great with people, hilarious person, very charismatic, had the ability to run the store, and but could never get to work on time. And we talked to her repeatedly. And one day I was like, I don't know, I'm trying not to use her name. She follows me on Instagram. And I said, uh, you know, you really should be the person running the store, but you got to get to work on time. 
And this person said, Bob, you know what? When I'm done here and I get a real job, I'll show up to work on time. And I said, well, you know what? And you and I have had this conversation. I said, well, you know what? The thing is, it's a real job for me, and it's a real job for the other people that work here. And I know that you think that there's some grandiose opportunity out there for you in New York in fashion, and you're going to fucking kill it. My prediction for you, though, is these habits you've developed, you're never going to overcome. You've just developed bad habits, and you're disrespectful to people and work. And I'm not sure how her career worked out, but she she didn't stick at shop up and the people that did and she wasn't the only person that said, oh, this is a cute little Wisconsin company, but I'm going to New York. Um, and I did keep tabs on a lot of those people. And I don't know anybody that's running a fashion house. Um, but the people that stayed and believed in us that majored in retail at the University of Wisconsin in the College of Human Ecology and um, chose to be part of us, they grew and they all became key people in the business and they all did well in the, in the sale of Shop Up and and so forth. But um, the other direction that I was considering taking this is my old business partner, Ray Zeman, once said to me, um, it was this random thing where he said that people start to accumulate their wealth in their 40s. Like he said, if you know, and he was just like one of these things that he said and then, you know, left the room. And I started to think about it. I was like, God, why is that? And I was like, there, you know, what's the form of why 40s? And this is what I came up with. And I have no whatever, just what I came up with. I think if you're somebody who has the ability to accumulate wealth, um, in your 20s, you're probably unbelievably arrogant, because I was. You think you know better than everybody, and no matter where you are, you're the smartest guy in the room, and you know better, and you're, you're filled with these grandiose thoughts about yourself. But the truth is, you don't know anything. And what I tell young people now is like, a real key breakthrough in development is like accepting when you don't know what you don't know. But in my 20s, nobody could tell me anything. But I wasn't getting anywhere. And it took my late 20s and 30s to humble me and prove to me that I don't know what the fuck I'm doing and I don't know things. But if you can take that beating of humility and keep your confidence and whatever talent you may have intact, all of that starts to coalesce as you enter into your 40s. And then you start to apply talent with wisdom and then you may or may not get results. Yeah, it's funny. I, I feel the same way because, like, in I feel like my entire twenties of work because I worked in fashion right away, right mm-hmm. out of school. I started in small boutiques, and yeah. it's all I ever did and, until mm-hmm. I'm here. And the the first the the twenties were rough. I mean, I, and I think that mm-hmm. like when people are like, "Oh, what's it take to make it in fashion?" I was like, "Well, you'll find out when you get like beat up the first couple times. If you you get up and you keep going, well, I'm going to keep doing this." I mean, we've talked about it before. Let's just say this sold like shop op sold tomorrow. Yeah, I would just want to do it again. Like I, this yeah. is what I want to do. So yeah, it's good period, drug. and I kind of just want to do it forever. I mean, did you say did you say it's a good drug? Yeah, that's I agree. I, yeah. I think about that a lot. I, I tell when when uh, my wife who works here now yeah. started started this for the first time because she'd worked somewhere else, yeah. and she was and I said the difference between working. And like this sort of entrepreneurial thing yeah. is that when you do something, there's an immediate like effect and you feel it and yeah. you're like, oh, I made a positive or yeah. negative impact yeah. on the business by something I did. That's really, really, really addictive. It's very real. Because you see it fast. It's no, not. No one to blame. Yeah, yeah exactly. You're at home. That's, that's your So when it's good, it's good. And when it's bad, yeah. it's really bad. And I think, and I think it's kind of addicting both ways. Like you 100%. really, cause, because you made a, a difference. But the it, thing yeah. is what you're already starting to do when you're getting beat up in your twenties is that's where I think, um, you're developing the calluses to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, definitely. And for a younger generation now that sees people on magazines and they're like, I'm going to be that and I'm going to be an entrepreneur. And I can't tell you how many times when I've spoken somewhere or something or just had a one-on-one, people say, oh, you know, I want to be my own boss and work my own hours. And it's like, well, your own hours are probably 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You're going to hate yourself as a boss because you're going to really wish you could get away, but you realize you can't. Um, And it's, it's, and, 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 and they're so impatient. And I try to tell everybody, like, whatever your career is, but particularly being an entrepreneur, it's a body of work. And learning how to take that disappointment of failure, like, there's absolutely nothing wrong with failure. There's absolutely nothing wrong with failure. And because it's, it's just informative. It's lessons. You know, you hope you survive them, like, physically. But if you survive them with your intellect intact and your body still works and stuff, you know, you got another shot. Yeah. And um, so to your point about 
it being a drug, I mean, I I sold ShopBop in, um, I can't remember the year. So I think 2006, I stayed on about a year and a half as CEO, um, and I retired at 46. I'm 62 now. So whatever that math is, um, I was never bored. I was never like sitting there thinking, oh, I can't, I don't golf or anything. I rode my bike. I skied almost every day. I loved it. But there was never a time where I was feeling like, oh my God, I really need a job. I really need to get back to work. And so, but the point is like to to you saying it's a drug is that I'm, you know, I was a consumer, what I, I'm not a tech guy. Um, I don't have much formal education. But what I was when I started to think about ShopUp was a consumer and how that could work and how the Internet can change the way shopping is done um, and should be done and give access to people in Iowa and everywhere else, you know, you know, starting to poke a hole in the myth. Well, it wasn't a myth, but the, the, the prior belief that fashion was just on the coast and how we can reach the rest of the world. Um, but I was really a consumer and I was a guy who loved stores. I'm not a, I'm not a technology guy. You guys know that better than anybody. I mean, um, you know, I, (laughs) I can't do my phone, um, (laughs) but I love stores. And that was the very first conversation about shop op was what are the great stores in the world? What makes the great stores great? And how can we replicate that using the internet? And to this day, I think that's still part of what we're doing here is, is, uh, is you know have an unbelievably cool store environment, and then and then how do we get people who don't have access to the store, you know, and, and share that experience? Hopefully, I don't get off track here. So, I was a consumer that after I retired, you know, Paige, my wife, and I would just plan a lot of our travel around dining and shopping, and then we hit this run of a few years where the stores that I used to love, whether they be in New York, San Francisco, Chicago, um, uh, or in Europe. I just was like, I wasn't inspired. I wasn't seeing the cool stuff. I wasn't feeling like they were educating me anymore. Um, um, I was bored. And then living in Colorado in the mountains where we do, I, you know, came down to Boulder and, um, and saw, you know, this space that is our brick and mortar, which is awesome. And for anyone who can get to Boulder, it has French doors and views of the flat irons. And it's a really <laughs> cool space. And thought, fuck it, I'll just do my own store. Because there were so many people that owned businesses that I was like, hey, there's really cool stuff and you guys should do this. And there's really, and they're like, no, we got it, we got it, we got it. And now, you know, for people who are listening, you know, Timothy and I are partners and Timothy managed a store in Chicago. Um, and every time my wife and I were in Chicago, I would wander over to talk to Timothy. And the store was, it was good. It wouldn't, you know, I mean, I don't know who, who's going to listen. I don't think it would... It was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was good. Like I said to you before, like it was one of those stores you'd walk into and be like, oh, cool store. Um, and yeah. then the next time you would go in and go, it's still a cool store. And then like the fourth time you're like, yeah, it's pretty much the same store. It had a moment and it didn't evolve. And that's why yeah, we're here. And you weren't doing the <laughs> buying. And, and, uh, and so it's um, but the one thing is every I would spend an hour and a half, two hours just in there. And so it got to be a thing that I would do when I was in Chicago. We stayed around the corner is we do all our stuff, and I'd say, now I'm going to walk over and, and shoot the shit with that guy. So when I'm standing out the street here, I called you, and I knew that we were philosophically aligned. I knew we shared the same passion. The way I've described the difference between you and I now is that I said, you know, if, like there's, there's master sommeliers and there's, and there's people who like wine a lot or connoisseurs, maybe a connoisseur. And I think, I'm, I think at my height of wine drinking, I was capable of picking a good bottle off a list with a little bit of information, you're a master sommelier. So um, where I could be enthusiastic about something, Timothy, now, you know, my partner would then hit me with like the deeper dive on that. And Mm. I'd be like, oh, it's so cool. So, you know, the inspiration to do Canoe Club came from believing that there was an opportunity to be be the best, that people have lost the the desire to educate people and bring people along and get people enthusiastic about clothing and and where it's, how it's made, who makes it, what inspired them, what the provenance is. And those are the things that I think go much further than, oh, I think it looks great on you. And and, and, um, so that all said, once we started Canoe Club, I didn't rip, I'm getting back to the drug thing. I didn't, I never sat there and thought, um, God, I missed work or I need, you know, this, but I forgot how much fun it is to try to be creative 
problem solvers and 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 to be part of a collaborative team. And you know, I know we went through stuff in the in the early years, but that stuff behind us, it's it's just so much fun in spite of the fact that not everything we think works. It doesn't always work. Yeah. And and you know, and I think, you know, there were days in the early days where we had people here that would like really labor over a choice and I don't know if you remember Timothy, but I would say you know, it, 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 it's like, don't stand over the putt so long. Like, you know, it's like you can overthink it. It's like, just make a choice. There's no such thing as a wrong choice. Like, it, you know, if you're choosing between two career, like, oh, I just hope I make the right decision. And it's like, well, if you make a decision and it doesn't pan out the way you hoped, it doesn't therefore mean by default that the other one was the right decision because there's mm-hmm. no way to know if that was going to pan out the way you thought. But you just make any decision. And then once you do that, it gives you feedback. It gives you information. It doesn't always knock the ball out of the park. But you're just like, okay, now what have I learned? Well, you can't and, get better unless you do something. Do I mean, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we talked about that a lot. I mean, I, I know that you, you definitely taught me that a lot of just like – if you don't make a choice, then, I mean, you have to take that risk. I mean, opening the thing in the first place yeah. is the risk. Mm-hmm. I mean, any, any everything's a risk. But if you don't take I mean, it's funny because, we you know, you watch all these kids that have blown up as influencers and YouTubers and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then, you know, we talk about it in the story sometimes. And, you know, sometimes we're like, oh, man, I don't know if I really get what they're doing. Or I don't know if, right. know if I like it. And it's like, the one thing I tell them is like, the reason they're popular is because they took a risk. Mm-hmm. And whether you like it or not, it's irrelevant. They yeah. took, somebody, you got to put yourself out there and expose yourself a little bit. Yeah. And then try to figure it out from there because what happened is they did that initially. No one cares what, how they started. It probably sucked even worse. And now they've evolved it to a place and they might get better. And I think that that's what you, people get a little nervous of when they're like, oh, I don't really fuck with it though. Why is it so popular? It's like because they're trying. They tried yeah. something. Yeah. They've put themselves out there so in some like, way that's the, like. It's funny because, you know, again, I'm, an, I'm older than, than everyone else involved here. And I came in with some. Uh, you know, uh, beliefs that are different. Like, again, I was like hyped on SEO and you guys like, well, it's more social media now. And, you know, again, for anyone listening, there was a year or more where I was really like, I don't get what we're doing. And I was vocal about it, but I trusted you guys. And we had at times argued about it or fought and heels were dug in. And at the end of the day, I was like, all right, you know, I mean, I, you know, I I don't, I know one thing I, I know for sure is that I'm not always right. And, you know, I can be opinionated. I can win I can win a room maybe or an argument if I bully people, but that's not the right way to do it. And um, at the end of the day, I was like, okay, well, then we'll see where, where things land. But it's funny to influencers, I would have said I still don't get it. Like, all right, wait, what did they do and who? But you know who's kind of turned me on that is like an Emma Chamberlain where I'm like, I you know, I don't even know how I came across her. I don't remember. You and I talked about it because I, I I've mentioned liked her, her one day so and I saw yeah. that you followed like, her. So and I cool. was like, so who's this Emma Chamberlain? I said it came up on Instagram or something. And I don't know why it came up on my thing. But I think the first thing I like watched beyond a little clip, you know, it was in her home. And then she like lets out this big burp. And I thought, oh, my God, that's hysterical. Like, I just I, there was something that made or that humanized her for me. But I really still didn't know that I was being sold anything or that I just thought this this woman seems very cool. And, um, and it's funny and it, you know, I, the chances of her ever hearing this would, it would be zero, but, um, I was in Crested Butte and I was in a really crowded place and it was too loud. And I put in my earphones and I, I didn't want to listen to music. And I actually put on this thing that was like her 24 hours in Amsterdam or something. And I told Paige, my wife, I said, at the end of it, I really felt like I just had lunch with her. Yeah. Like I was just, you know, I, you know, sitting there listening to somebody that was interesting. But when I watch what she, where that's gone from like being in her home and talking about coffee and, mm-hmm. you know, and or whatever her daily thing was yeah. to now she's a fucking fashion icon and a model for however many people and killing it. It's like, oh, now I get it. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the thing with the transparency that people demand now through YouTube, Instagram, yeah. whatever it is. It never, when you're a business, it never feels right. Cause you're like, I only want to put out things that are perfectly polished and I've thought no, them she's through. great. Yeah. And then, but man, but man does that, I mean, it's something that we're trying to do here. Yeah. And we understand the difficulties of that being well, multi-brand retail, we're the yeah. voice for a lot of different yeah. brands. We're trying to have yeah. our own voice. We're trying to yeah. have our own brand. It's really complicated. And I understand why people never get going. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because yeah. you just, you, you can stand freeze. over the putt too long. Exactly. Yeah. Overthink it. Just fucking scary. It, it's kind of hard to like put yourself out there and be like 
uh, here I am on YouTube now sharing my opinions. Yeah. But, like, that's what people want. Well, Chase, I mean, you have to definitely feel that way. We did, When we first started doing YouTube videos oh God, or whatever, yeah. and we just kind of shoved each other in front of the camera and we're like, yeah. all right, we'll figure it out. I mean, it was that was the taking that first putt that we're like, we're like, this isn't perfect, but there's something fun here. There's something kind of endearing. And then it, we just, and now you certainly, when we have to do a video, you don't get, like, nervous no, or anything. Yeah, because you kind of, you learn. You learn who you are. You learn yeah. who, how you're representing yourself, how you're representing the company, how you're representing everything. Thing. And it's it's interesting to see like all the evolutions of everyone here's involvement mm-hmm. in that kind of stuff. And to the point of like wanting to do something polished, we can even tie this to the podcast. We've again we've recorded this how many two or three times now, first episodes that never really went anywhere, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Everything around Canoe Club kind of ultimately comes down to just fucking do it. We're yeah, going to yeah. do it. We're just going to start it. We're going to see what happens. Yeah. And then it'll get so glad to hear you guys say or that. Or it won't get better. But it, we're yeah. going to try. We're going to do, yeah. yeah. do it yeah. anyway. Yeah. Like, yeah. Again, and that's what being an entrepreneur is. Again, it's like my nephew Max was, uh, you know, he went to law school. He crushed it. And he's in business now. And um, he was saying a thing that he was disappointed at one point to realize that, like, what's taught in school is how business should go. But he it doesn't account for humans cutting corners or humans trying to pull a, you know, pull a deal or, and, and, and it was frustrating for him for a moment. And we talked about it and I, and I said, you know, all this stuff, Max, it puts a knot in your stomach or frustrates you again. It's just think of business as creative problem solving. And even though some of these choices have been made by every other business that existed before, you still have an opportunity to think about it differently. You still have an opportunity to put your own spin on it. And, um, again, it's shop up, you know, there was a moment there where you could sub out, you know, fulfillment or all these things and raise him in to his credit, you know, and, and, and you know, I can't could never give him enough credit um, had said to, to us, he's like, yeah, I know, but we're not going to learn anything. And he's like, if we hire that out, we're not going to learn anything. So let's study best practices and then figure out how can we make them better. And in the end, and I, I you know, all I say is that things that are now, you know, packaged in Shopify are things that we figured out and, and they have become Shopify and, and to, to Shopify. And I'm not saying anything. It's nothing. It's just, you know, it was out there. We figured shit out. And um, but we had to figure that shit out. And that also not only did we learn a lot, but it also created a tremendous amount of value for ShopUp, um, even though we weren't looking to exit when we did exit in that. We didn't. We weren't a a business that had subbed out a bunch of other stuff. They, we we invented shit. We invented processes, um, and so it's just it's cool. Like at the end of the day, like I get excited here talking about it. Like, and it doesn't matter if it doesn't always pan out. It's just like trying to figure it out. Always trying to crack that code. I mean, in the early years, we're like, okay, if it's not SEO, and I would talk to people from really big companies that are like, we haven't really figured out social media either, and. You know, we're, we were spending billions, not billions, uh, tens of millions of dollars on SEO. And we're not really sure, you know, that that's where it should be anymore. And, you know, I think we made an early bet saying, well, we're not saying we're the ones that are going to crack that combination. But if someone does, we're going to be paying attention. But but we really liked the idea that we were trying to figure it out, you know. And I think you guys have done a great, great job. I mean, it's funny because it's all I hear about now. Kind of something that you're touching on is like when we first started the YouTube, it was a mess, and that's just what it needed to be, so we could figure out what it would be. Mm-hmm. And then we started like slowly, you kind of earn like, okay, so let's let's use better cameras, let's use better microphones, let's, let's get use, a sweep, and, and, and you start to define your own voice and everything. And something you touched on, Bob, is earlier you you said when you first were doing shop up. You weren't sure, like it was just a, you wanted, you needed a job. Yeah, yeah, you know right. what I mean? When did you feel like you found you your voice inside a shop up, or shop up found its own voice, mm. and then it, and then it started being developed differently? I mean, when 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 Holy did you shit. know it was beyond just a job? I mean, because I feel like that's God, close. First to- time I've been asked an original question in like <laughs> over a decade. <laughs> that's a really good question. So when I say I needed a job. You know, again, I was closing another business. Uh, again, I don't have much formal education. I didn't have any money at that time. Um, I had the idea that was written on the back of a, uh, of a Wendy's napkin. Uh, Paige claims she knows where that napkin is. Um, and I, I pitched it. In addition to trying to raise a little bit of money to keep my other failing business going, um, I pitched it to Ray Zeman, who became my, my backer and partner and mentor at ShopUp. And, um, and again, you know, we, uh, 
you know, we talked about this a little bit ago, but, you know, he had said, you know, I, your other idea is a bad one. I'm not going to give you any money to keep that other business going. Uh, tell me more about this idea. And then ultimately said, when people are given an opportunity or face a problem, they focus on the problem, eliminate the problem, and we'll pursue the opportunity. So I closed the other business, and then we pursued the other opportunity. But when I say I needed a job, I really did. I was 40, 40 years old and broke, and, you know, I didn't have a lot of... I, I certainly didn't have the belief or confidence. You know, I started, I was... I used to think, oh, I'll go be a lumberjack, or I'll be a bartender in Aspen, you know, yeah. but... Um, um, I, there wasn't a lot of pedigree there that was going to be like, oh, well, you know, he'll go work for Goldman Sachs. It's yeah. like that wasn't, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you was know not I did work for J.P. Morgan. I was not, you know, anyway. Um, when did it become a real thing? So, like, I just, you know, Ray, Ray and I were perfect partners in that. He's, he's more analytical and I can't tell you, like, from probably that first conversation to the, to the 1,000th conversation, is I'm more of a, I don't know what I would be, and not an intuitive, but um, I think I get things, and I'll say, hey, you know, would it be cool, or what about sure. this? And and Ray would listen, and then he'd, you know, go, let me think about it, and he'd go away, and he'd come back, and he'd say, well, either here's what supports my vi- my, my belief, or here's what refutes my belief. And then what made Ray exceptional is that even if his data, like, highlighted many, many challenges to what we what I thought— then he'd look at me and go, what's your gut on this? Like, how much do you believe in it? And I'd go, I don't know. I just think it makes sense. Come on, then let's do it. So, like, he wasn't like a uh, this data guy that if the data says no, it means no. He really believed in the entrepreneur and the ability to be like, because that's the thing. It's like, you know, and I had this conversation and, and, you know, well, we sold shop op to Amazon. And there was a person at Amazon that really, really believed that finance guided Finance made all decisions. Like if, if finance, can, you know, give me your, you know, give me your, uh, the ROI on this. And I'd say, well, it's never been done before. There's no ROI. Well, I need an ROI to approve it. It's like, well, it's never been done. I, I, don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. And, and it would go back and forth. And, and, and the funny thing is I could have ended those conversations just by making up a number mm-hmm. <laughs> and saying, you know, $8 million. And that's yeah. all I needed. And they yeah, write yeah, down yeah, $8 million yeah, yeah. in the room. <laughs> but I would argue it. And um, so we got in this argument one time and I and I said, you know, the idea that um, finance, you know, I here's how I think of finance. It's absolutely essential. And I want finance to be merciless. I want them to hold your feet to the fire and highlight risk. But if every decision in business can be made strictly on finance then anybody with an HP 12C calculator should be able to run a business. But you need people that are entrepreneurial, that think outside the box, that think of things that have never been done before, just to have a strong gut to say that that's not going to kill us. And I think we should do this. I Take don't care the risk. The, I don't care what the data says. Yeah. And that's how you innovate. And that's how, you know, so when people used to run into my office and say, you know, Federated just committed, you know, $10 million to starting online or $100 million. I'd say, yeah, good. They're going to bring their customers to us. And they'd be like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, because we have 10 people in the room next to us, which is we're creative, is working on the next iteration. So if we're the leader in the industry and they're copying us, and I know in two months we're launching a, a more clever feature, yeah. fine. They're always behind us. you know. So you kind of felt like you got there when all of your ideas felt like they were ahead of where yeah, they're not all my ideas, but we, but I mean, the, the, the idea for the business and the idea of how it could work, but the original thesis was built around college campuses. And we, you know, the one cool thing about being an entrepreneur, which I try to tell people is like, if you don't take advantage of the ability to, to course correct quickly, cause you, you know, you don't have to run it through committees. Oh, yeah. So, you know, we originally did men's and women's, we were kind of built around this college model, it was very, it didn't take long for us to have data to see that that's not working. But then we had other breakthroughs that we were like, oh, that's working. Let's make that adjustment. Um, so I don't know that I've ever answered still, like, when did it become a job? I think, you know, things happen quickly there. Like, well, for, I'll say this, actually, Ray would, he'll probably call me and correct me. They didn't happen quickly until they happened quickly. Like sure. we, we struggled. We didn't know about SEO. Our website was very, very photographed, very graphic. And, uh, and then um, we, we, um, we, Ray, through conversations with some academics, had found out about SEO. 
And he brought it to me and SEO was brand new and nobody knew anything about it. And we interviewed a bunch of people from some of these companies that are gone now, Netscape and these other people. And everybody came in and said, oh, my God, I love your website. I love your website. Your website's beautiful. And we can reach this many people. And we were like, but how many people would be our customer? And the wheels would fall off the conversation. But everybody told us how much they loved our website. And then we brought in an undergrad at University of Wisconsin, a guy named Chris Riskowitz, who's, you know, introverted, um, doesn't say much. It was a painful, painful interview because he wasn't offering much. I listened in on it. I wasn't conducting it, but I was like, this fucking guy hasn't said a word. And, um, and it was hard. And we were trying to drive the, the conversation. And then when we got, we ran out of ways to get him to talk, he just said, I know what it is you need and I can do it. But you got to let me change your website. And I was like, that's the guy to hire because he's the first person who told us we don't know what we're doing. And it turned out that we were so photo, so graphic, SEO didn't pick up on pictures. It picked up on mm, words uh, and language. And so yeah. he completely changed the way we did it. So we were struggling at that point. But we went from, God, if I, I, I might be wrong on the numbers, but I think literally we might have done a couple thousand dollars a year online prior to Chris. And then we hired Chris and it went, uh, I think to 20,000 a month. And at that point I was like, Oh my God, we're, we would break even cause we were losing money. And then to 40 to 60 and, and then it, so it's struggled for a couple of years and then it didn't. But once that happened, I, 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 maybe this will answer your question, which if people could remember, you asked me like 10 minutes ago, I realized that this was more than a job when we broke even. And that was one of my highlights was like, because I loved what we were doing. And as a guy, I was like, wait, if we broke even and I love this, like I could theoretically just do this forever. I loved trying to figure it out. We had, we were, we had talented people. Everybody listened to everybody else. Every, there was no idea that wouldn't at least get some consideration or airtime. Didn't mean you did them all. Eventually, you'd be like, ah, it's not going to work. But nobody was shot down. And um, it was just fun. So, But from that point on, Timothy, I'm not sure. It, all of a sudden, it was just like we were riding a rocket. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was a point where I remember, and I, you know, I know we're like looking at things, but like I remember like our first million-dollar year. And, and I was, I would always say, and it was, I was kind of a buzzkill. I'd be like, well, that's great. But you know, we have so much more work ahead of us than behind us. And whoever ran in my office would be like, what a dick. And then, you know, it was like a million dollar month. And then I believe, you know, I don't know if we had million dollar days, but we had really big days. And I can remember, you know, um, you know, someone that we both know, uh, when we declined to invest in Blue Martini and like our second year, it was going to be like $250,000 to do this back end through Blue Martini. And they said, uh, well, I'm just telling you, if one day we're ever doing 20 orders a day, it's going to be a lot of work. And we blew through that, you know. Yeah, I, mean, I feel like we had so many of those goals that like at the time when we were talking about it, it was like, there's no fucking way we're going to get to 20 orders a day. There's no yeah. fucking way. You know what I mean? No, and and, it, and it, now that feels, yeah, that would be a slow and, day. And it's funny because it's, I think Ray and I, you know, Ray invested in me and he, and he invested in another guy at the same time in a wine business. And it'd be great to get him on and say, like, what did he think? Like, what did we think? But I don't know that we ever thought Shop Up. We certainly didn't think Shop Up could be what it became. And that's on our watch. What it's become since, it's unbelievable. I mean, like Kim Fleischner, who runs that place now, is amazing. She was our CFO. Um and uh, where it is now, it's, I mean, I think it's a different business than what we sold. Um, and I think they would agree. Like, we were very focused on being authorities and being educators. And uh, What do you mean by educators? Well, I mean, the brands we carry aren't really as best we can. They're not department store brands. It's not, you know, there's more to it than do you have my size. Like, there's a whole story behind it. You know, we're, we're carrying things that... We've chosen because of, again, we mentioned this before, like who designed them, how, what their inspiration is, what methods do they use as tra traditional Japanese methods. And there's a story to be told. And, and, you know, particularly in the brick and mortar in Boulder, you know, online, there's a following and people that study this stuff. But even there, you know, and particularly with men who lack some confidence, you know, they'll come in and be like, well, that's a lot for that or something. And. And I get it. You know, in some cases, the story isn't going to resonate. Um, 
But we want to be able to take the time and say, hey, there's really cool stuff. There's people doing really cool things out there. And and not to take away anything from a department store brand, which is fine, but that's commodity business. You know, it's like, I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to think of an analogy. I was going to say something about a grocery store, but, you know, but the one you've heard me use before is is wine, again, as an example, is that. You know, somebody can come in and say, hey, I can get jeans for 50 bucks or 70 bucks. And you say, that's, that's absolutely true, you know. So then why should I go to 200, 300, 400, 1600 for dry shrunk visvims with, you know, certain details that are done by hand? And that can be a difficult conversation to get somebody who's against it there. And if they're against it, that's fine. There's other jeans at other price points. But if you talk about whether it's fine dining or food, where you can get a piece of pizza for three bucks, maybe not anymore, eight bucks, and uh, or eat at a Frosca here in Boulder and have James Beard Award winning, you know, service, there has to be a story to it. And so we're storytellers and we, we have to be well informed and tell that story. So the wine analogy is you can buy a bottle of wine for 20 bucks. And if you just want to crush a bottle of wine, you know, or you got carry out, um, if you're going to go to 50 bucks or 100 bucks or $200 or $1,500, you know, is it going to make you exponentially drunker? No, that's probably not your goal. Um, it should absolutely drink better, but doesn't always, you know, I mean, $100 bottle of wine and a $1,200 bottle of wine to a lot of people are like, I don't know. It's Josh good. from Target. It's yeah, all it's good. good. It's, it's yeah. good wine. <laughs> but, but for most people who, you know, sure you have to get it and it has to matter to you, Knowing that a, a vine was pulled from Latour and brought here or there and so on and so forth, and I'll, I don't want to embarrass myself trying to act like I know more than I do, but that this producer made 100 cases of which three came to the U.S., of which a half a case came to Colorado in which there's one bottle available and you can drink it, and it's important. Um, you buy into that story, and it should be delicious. Mm -hmm. Not always, but it should be. Yeah. And, but, but you buy into the story because that's the story you're going to tell people the next day. Like, hey, where'd you go to dinner? Oh, man, you know, we went here and we drank this, you know. But da -da -da. I mean, wouldn't you argue that, like, Comme de Garçon takes a certain sophistication and there's a funk to it and you've got to, like, you have to understand it and it's a little bit challenging and you yeah. have to work it into your wardrobe. It's the same. I mean, it's, it's very similar to wine in that way. 100%. There was a wine on that list the other night for people. We had our holiday party the other night and I was talking to the Psalm and I knew the wine. And I said, I know that that's a complex wine. And he said, yeah, it's not for everybody. And he said, but, you know, if you get it, but that would be the equivalent of a, uh, you know, respectfully, a, a Viz Vim Mud Dye hoodie. Yeah. You know, it's like somebody's like, well, it's a hoodie. Yeah, it's a hoodie. And but it's mud dyed. And let us explain that process or dry shrunk jeans or any of the other brands. Capital, some of the unbelievable detail that's pulled from up, you know, probably a thousand years of, of textile making that's made it to this thing. But if that's not what somebody's looking for and they're like, yeah, I really just wanted a hoodie. It's like, OK, well, we have that, too. Or it's also fine. We've told you the story. We've told you this exists. And, you know, I hope you find what you're looking for. What but but we, we believe and we believe I'll speak for all of us. We believe that the brands we are carrying and selecting and looking out are important. They're important for some reason, and they need to exist. Otherwise, you know, we're not a need store. We're a want store, but the brands need to exist, and we need to be advocates for them. Yeah. Why do you think it is, though, I think about this a lot, that, like, no one really seems... I, I think even wine has a more understood that like there's different levels to it and mm -hmm. that's okay and like art is certainly that mm -hmm. way like art has obviously it's all perceived value yeah. it's a piece of paper and some cheap paint like mm -hmm. it's nothing what and of course like you buy into it because there's these stories about the artists and what mm -hmm. the artist has been through and what they're trying to express and how they're expressing mm -hmm. it and the techniques they use there's literally I can't find any difference between that, like understanding art and understanding clothing as art. But I mean, do you ever think about like why why is clothing not why why does clothing seem to be like the lowest level on that? It's rarely treated well, that it's way. It's a mystery to me and probably you because you and I are passionate about clothing. Sure. The one thing I'll say the difference between wine and clothing, which is a huge win for clothing is you can drink that unbelievable bottle of DRC and have spent $5,000 or more on it. 
And the next day it's urine. You pee it out. Yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> but if you buy a killer Visvim leather, you're probably going to hand it down to generations. It'll be sure. your, it'll be your grandkids. Somebody's going to pull that out and be like, holy shit. Yeah. Great grandpa fucking nailed it. Um, so that's a shot at, you know, but, I mean, Bob, what I would argue is I've made this argument at home and to myself yeah. in the shower a lot, but like what you're saying, I, I totally believe in, in that. So you're arguing with yourself no, in the shower. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we, we all are, if we admit it. Yeah, uh, it's fair. Uh, we, uh, <laughs> well, what it is is like, so wine, like you're saying, yeah. it's, it's a very personal experience. Yeah. You have it. You personally interact with it. Everyone's taste buds are different. Yeah. It depends on what you're eating that night. Yeah. It, there's so many factors that can change it. And ultimately, it pisses out, like you're saying. And then same thing with like even unless you're buying super expensive art, a lot of times you have a single experience with mm-hmm. it. You're told the story and you go, great, I've digested that. Or I have to own it. I spend the money and I own it and I get to look at it every single day. But you're not attaching memories to it like you do with clothing with clothing when i buy this yeah this i'm wearing an orso mm-hmm. suede jacket i'm i'm wearing this i love it i think it's a piece of art as it is because they've made specific choices with cut and shape and blah mm-hmm. blah, blah 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 and then i'm gonna put my own memories into it yeah, and then i 100%. can potentially pass it on yeah you don't do that with wine if you keep it a beautiful thing of wine in your yeah. cellar you don't pass that on if you give it to somebody else the it's, only thing you there's more to it from wine and food and i love them both um the only thing you have left is is the memory and the story, sure. which is great. You know, I mean, and and if you if you follow Ken Fredrickson or listen to Ken Fredrickson, it's it's romantic. It's 100%, like unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, you're like fuck, man. I mean, I want that bottle, and and but you really only have left is the memory and and the story. With clothing, like you said, like there, there's an author, one of my favorite authors, a guy named Wallace Stegner, and I'm, I'm really reaching here. This could be a this could be a disaster. But I think it's in like Big Rock Candy Mountain. He talks about how his mom passed away and how the the uh, the mortician cleaned her up. And he was just so distressed because he said all her, the lines in her face were gone. And he, mm. and he referred to the lines in her face as like that was the, that was the roadmap to the story of her life. Sure. And it's funny as I'm as I get older now and I and, you know, I hope I have 20 years left or more. Um, and uh I start to think about my clothing that way of like leathers and stuff like instead of having all of them, I want to have a handful that I'm going to start really beating up. And that patina is going to be a story that, and, 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 you know, and maybe I'm getting too romantic. But again, Ken does it with wine and people who do it well, but that someone who, who will inherit that or find it in my closet will know something about me yeah. and, 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 will f- and will feel a part of me and you have it. So to your question, why, why does clothing seem to be the forgotten stepchild of, yeah. of what we consider yeah. art? I don't know the answer to that, but it's funny because during COVID, you know, a local restaurateur, to his credit, was very, very active and very, very passionate about getting funding for restaurants and saying we can't be without restaurants. We have to keep restaurants alive. And to his credit for the industry, you know, got got a lot of support and a lot of things and 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 good for them. But I, you know, I but admittedly in in their customer of our store, I was also like, well shit, you know, that's all these challenges, these these hardships aren't just unique to restaurants and 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 I there was a part of it that I don't want to say bugged me, but that I was, I guess it did, where I was just like, God damn it. And then when I started to think about it, I'm like, because if you're going to go to a restaurant, you need something to wear. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and you weren't going to go to that person's restaurants dressed like a scrub. Totally. So there was part of me that wanted to be like, I get it, man. You know, do what you need to do for your people. And but I wasn't going to be on a soapbox trying to talk to Congress about saying keep clothing stores alive. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, maybe I was guilty of what you just said of like, is clothing valued at that same level? But you know, my wife is an artist, you know, and you're a musician, and and you're an artist, and I can't draw a line. My voice is grating. I can't sing a note. Like I try to sing. People think I'm doing a parody of an awful singer, and I'm like, no, I was really trying to sing that song. And and I have no ability to play an instrument. But I will say, whether people like the way I dress or not, I think I can put together fucking outfits. And to me, that has always been as close to art as I get. And it is art for me. It's like the ability for all of us to look and decide what we're picking for our store or how to wear it or or the the, the differences in the details. And, you know, I mean, you know, a tie bar versus, or a pocket square or the right pair of shoes or, you know, whether it's cuffed or not cuffed or, you know, I mean, things that you are so yeah. important to us. 
and, and even if we're not, I'm talking, everything I just said would more apply to tailored clothes. But when we grab one of the items that we sell and we're educating that customer and saying, hey, can I show you this detail? Like how, how often do we pull stuff out of a box? Like we've written it off a line sheet or off the, and now it's come and we open it up and we're like, oh my God, look at this detail. Totally. I mean, Chase here, you know, we, you know, used to make boots and you, you geek out. First thing you see when you see a pair of shoes, you're like, can you take that off and let me look at it? Yeah. I did it two days ago when <laughs> yeah. you had your new Visbin boots. And I was yeah. like, I just want to, I just want to seal something. You're like, uh-huh. Do you mind? Can you take that off? And you're like, oh, this is so cool. Or a pair of Henry scheme shoes where you pointed out the nail hole uh-huh, uh-huh. and to me, if I wasn't a, a, a partner and, and, and involved at Canoe Club, that's the kind of thing that I'm like, oh, I need to have those Henry schemes yeah, because agreed. you showed me the nail hole and I'm imagining of all the shoes in the world, there is a cobbler who built this shoe. Yes. And, and it's going to patina and yep. it's going to show, have your signature, you know, on it. And it, and that obviously I get, it's, it's I get just, emotional about clothing. I feel the same way. And I just feel like, like, like we're talking about is it's, it's like really one of the only art forms that allows you to participate inside of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and create it and make it be your own. I mean, maybe yeah. music has an element of that, but that's much more, it's the only thing where you're not purely digesting it. Yes. You're, you're also going to participate and add mm-hmm. to it and make yes. it better and make it your own and make it unique. And that's really special. And I don't understand why people sometimes don't give it the credit as art that it deserves. And I just thought of this, and it, honestly, I've never thought of this before. But again, of wine and food, which I, I appreciate both massively. I love them both. You can't walk around with the empty bottle of wine you drank the night before. Yeah. And you can't walk around with like a, a sign that says, you know, I crushed truffles last night. <laughs> yeah. but, could, but as growing up, as, as we all did, poor, clothing was a way, like we could be broke. We didn't have to look or feel broke. And that's what my mom taught me when instead of now it's vintage shopping, then thrift shopping and putting together outfits for eight bucks or four bucks was like, that was how I started to feel better about myself. And to me, clothing elevates me. I mean, and, you know, it's really funny because it's like, I, I, I can, I, I mean, I just, I love it. In a lot of ways, a lot of times I know that I'm not going out to a restaurant or something, but I still care about what I wear because of how it makes me feel. And so of wine, Art. You don't carry around your Basquiat. You don't carry around mm-hmm. your Stieglitz photograph and be like, you know, I just want to show you I really take art. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got you know, this. Yeah, I really yeah, got you it. Know, I got yeah. this. Like, hey, you got a second? Yo, let me yeah. check this out. <laughs> but but whether people know what you're wearing, because I don't wear much logoed stuff, and, and, and God bless people that do, but just it's kind of like, you know, there's a playground saying, if you don't know, you better ask somebody. But like when we wear something that we've got from our store that is like crafted, people in the know will kind of be like nod. Some I people will you. say something. Yeah. And some people may not know what you're wearing, but just know that that's different than what I'm wearing. Yeah. And you, you approached it with intention. It's how you're presenting yourself to the yeah. world. Yeah. And yeah. in business, like prior to this, you know, at one point in my life, I was in financial services. I worked for JP Morgan and I was on the trading floors in Chicago for 13 years. And, you know, before you started passing out business cards, sometimes like how you dressed was all you needed to know. Um, it's a very social thing. I mean, I think that's why the community aspect of clothing is so important to me, too, is because, like you're saying, I don't know. Sometimes you'd be talking to some guy, and then you're like, oh, man, we have very similar music tastes, but I would have never guessed that. Yeah, right, you know 100%. I mean? Whereas, like, clothing is one place where I can, like, walk past a dude on the street and be like, oh, yeah, me and him, uh, we, at least have, we at least have this. You know what I mean? Like, we have something to but talk about. also, yeah. like, as buyers, you know, Timothy and I do the buying and chase as well. Um, I don't always have to like it or believe I'd wear it. I just have to get it. No, I feel no need to participate. I mean, it's not the, the need to participate in passion is, is part of it, yeah. but that certainly isn't like where it starts. I really like, I mean, I like that it just exists. I like seeing other, I like seeing other people in clothes far more than looking in the yeah. mirror. Yeah. Yeah. No, hundred percent. So for me, I mean, clothing is an art form and, and whether you're making it or wearing it, because just like an art, you know, you can paint it, but you know, I mean, it, well, you, kind of to tie things up, yeah. I mean, it's sort of like it, it's funny that you brought that up because it's like just like we were talking about earlier. I think fashion is sort of putting yourself out there. You know what yeah. I mean? No matter what in what level you're doing that. Whether you're, you're the canvas. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. And, like, and like we were talking about earlier with like the YouTube where these influencers are better. But the, the thing that's really interesting is fashion isn't standing over the hole. It's like you're putting something on. It might be. And especially like I think every single if you're into clothes, at some point you push yourself for like, yeah. can I do this or can I do that? And you have to like put yourself out there a little bit for the first time. And I think that that's why it, it, it to me, it matters so much is because it really, 
mentally changes people, like you're saying. It, like it, it really yeah. changes how the way you feel about yourself. The way you go home and feel it when you when you brick to fit is one thing, but yeah. like, but yeah, also like plenty. We all have. <laughs> and then and then, to, but the, the way you feel when someone's like, "Damn, that's sick!" Like you yeah. just that, that's a whole. That's something that I don't think. But, you, I don't really get that from anything yeah. else in, in life. But like I said, it. I'll try to make this quick. But it's like there's there's being broke and wearing, trying to look and perceive, and you're not, you know, and and, and you work your way up and you start to build self esteem. At least it did for me. I'm not saying it cures people of real struggles, but but it it did help me raise my self esteem. Clothing did, and um, but oh, where am I headed with this? Uh, oh, but all the way up to like so I've 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 worn bandanas forever, and then and then when we opened it and I'm spending more time in Boulder, I was kind of like I wasn't I was like ah you know. And then at some point, you know, with our involvement in Canoe Club and then the local perception of Canoe Club, I was like, man, we're owners of Canoe Club. Like, if I'm not going to lean into it, like, that, yeah, that, that's yeah. what people are expecting. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so I really get gratification now out of, like, everybody here who works for us and everybody's personal style and everybody's, you know, we're all buying kind of the same stuff but spinning it completely differently. Totally. Again, this is a, a podcast, but, like, I'm 62. You guys are much younger. Everyone – but we're all buying the same shit and putting our, our spin on it. Um, but it's cool now when I see customers coming in there like, you know, so how do you how do you tie that? And like or like, oh, I could never wear that, you know, and, and then I go out to dinner and I'll see somebody and I'm like, yeah, ready to go. But <laughs> but I did. There was a point, like I said earlier, about men lack confidence with a lot of things that even I had to say to myself before, like once we started rolling, I'm like, well. Like we go to the abs games, like we, we show out, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, people know who we are yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, but you know, we're not, we're, it's not, it's just tasteful. It's just a, a really well executed thing of very cool tradition, modern spins of traditional inspired stuff. I don't yeah. think anyone doesn't like seeing someone in like a little outfit, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Like whether, whether you like yeah. what they're wearing or not, it's I'm so year. interested to just to see how they put it together. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. wow, that, that's Fucking weird. I don't, I don't know, know what that I dude's doing, but he it. likes I just, it. I just love that somebody's putting themselves Expressing out there. Expressing themselves, really, yeah. like, It's the same yeah. thing with, like, I don't really think there's any... There's bad music, of course, and I think that you get, you know, a crit critique is a huge part of art, and I think, I think it's important. But at the same time, like, I just really like that people are... Well, out there, you know what I mean? Just doing again, music. Yeah. So there's top forty. It's wildly popular. It's sure. the top forty, but it's pop. And then, then there's people doing really cool, interesting shit that 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 develops a cult following. It's it's not the bigger part of the market, but it's a cult following that is respected and appreciated amongst connoisseurs or people that get it. Yeah, it's not for everybody. Clothing's the same way. And you know, there's there's what I could easily, and I'm not going to offend anybody, but there's if you ask me, Bob, tell me what a top forty outfit would look like. I could tell you like there's things that that aren't out there on the edge they're they're you know they're they're not bad it's like it all goes but yeah, yeah, yeah. but i would be like yeah they're not they're not breaking any ground here they're not really doing mm -hmm. you know and and um but that's also the same with personalities i mean it's just the I way think there's it is. just there's, there's room you know, for everyone and i just i think that for some reason i i mean not for some reason i want to live in a society where everyone's trying and that like that that yeah. is just like an indicator of like even if it's not my taste you got you got your right. whole drip from bonobos like i mean if that's your if that's your thing Fine. if that's where you feel comfortable it, that guy that guy in a lot of cases like you're saying different personalities is putting on a top coat for the first time being like this is why is a long ass coat and feeling yeah. nuts yeah, but yeah. like they're they're trying something and they're gonna get they may get a compliment they feel different that also that you know it's all it all but we we see it in body language people come out yeah. of the dressing room and they're picking at it like sure. i don't try to i say you know no. look if you're not confident you're not going to wear it yeah and 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 that's okay like yeah. we'll we'll get you we'll try to get you there we'll yeah, try yeah, to yeah. you know at some point and you, and you'll find your spot but um yeah i mean it, it's it, the thing is, we're we at Canoe Club are not trying to participate. We're not trying to be the biggest store in the world. Yeah. We're not trying to participate, you know, and, and have department store this or even Mr. Porter. God bless them; they have everything, which is a compliment. Or they have everything, which is like, do they have a narrative? Yeah. Are they? Mm -hmm. um, but I'm a customer there. They can, they if they're listening, they can check the records. You know, yeah. I'm a customer there. Um, but. We're not trying to be the biggest. We're trying to be advocates for the people who are doing cool shit. It is not the biggest part of the market. It'll never have us have the biggest revenues in the world. We just want to be fulfilled 
by being a representative for people doing the cool shit and being their spokesperson, their advocate, and trying to enlighten other people. But we know we're not in the biggest part of the market. But we do think the opportunity to be the best exists through customer service, the brands we carry, being advocates for cool shit. And if we can execute in that, you know, we'll we'll have a fun business. Like you're saying, there's... Some, to some people, being a top 40 artist is being the best. And to some sure. people, being Sonic Youth is the best. Yeah. yeah. I don't know where we land exactly. I think we're still learning that. But I think that, like, the, I, I want to be a thought leader just like you were yeah. at. That was your goal at Shop Up at yeah. one time. That's where that's still the goal here. So Well, we never sat down and said, hey, let's do a store and be the biggest in the world. But we did sit down and say, hey, let's do a store. I think the opportunity the best in the world exists. Yeah. And for anyone listening or anyone that's competing with us, they could say, well, what does the best mean? And I'd say, I don't really know. But you I do it, think though. it has to do with education. It has to do with customer service. It has to do with respect for consumers. We don't look down on people. We're not like, oh, you're not our customer. You know, and uh, you never know. And, 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 um, and I think there's an opportunity for Canoe Club to be the best as defined by experience. How does it feel to be a customer totally. at Canoe Club? Mm-hmm. And and I think that's an opportunity for us. And I still think as we, there always will be, there's always going to be wood to chop. We're always totally. going to try to think of how we can or should have done it differently or how we should do it better or how we can't do it better. And if we stop doing that, um, uh, you know, then... then I know what happens with yeah. businesses yeah. that stop doing <laughs> that. <laughs> All right. Well, Bob, I think we could probably do this for the next yeah. three hours yeah, if we no want, problem. and we'll definitely have you back because yeah, I'm sure people will be... and come back and do it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love but it was, a, it was a pleasure talking yeah. to you, as always. I mean, I think that's how we got started with Shop Up, yeah. and it's... I mean, we started with Shop Up, I was with, <laughs> yeah. with Canoe Club, and I think yeah. that that's, it makes sense that we're back here now doing it in the microphone. Good so, shit. Cool. So, I right, appreciate it, man. It's fun. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Good stuff.